This morning I will be reading the first portion of the Word of God from Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. If you know about Genesis, this is already but towards the end of the book, already towards the end of Abraham's life. Actually, it is the testing, some say, of Abraham's faith. I kind of look at it as, really, who is testing who? If you read the story carefully, you see it begins, in one day the Lord decided to test Abraham. But that's from the writer's perspective. I see Abraham actually kind of testing the Lord. But let us read from Scripture in Genesis 22. I'm going to be using the New Living Translation, which is the one that I usually use. And uh, we read from verse 1. Yes, uh, sometimes later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, uh, Isaac, to whom you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. And he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey. Abraham told the servants, The boy and I will travel a little farther, and we will worship there, and we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by his horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, to this very day, 
people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. This is the word of the Lord. Our gospel reading is for actually our epistle reading, no gospel this morning. Our epistle reading is from 1 Corinthians 10, verses 31 through 33. And Paul tells the church in Corinth, So whether you eat or drink or whether you do or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. Don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. The life of Abraham is a fascinating life. It is actually the life of a man who was called by God into the wilderness and God literally told him, go to the land that I will show you with no GPS. Today, we even think about some of us to step out of our house without a GPS. I'm one of those that love the GPS to get me back from where I'm at. Because I like to start, you know, going some places. This week I visited over in, in Villa Rica. I have to say Villa Rica because it was actually, I learned, is one of the first. It's actually the, the, the birthplace of Georgia's gold rush. And I visited the, the Krishnas, uh, Lottie and, and Bill Krishna. And, and it was a wonderful visit over there and a wonderful drive. But it took me a while to get back. I found my way eventually, uh, but the GPS had to help me. Abraham did not have the privilege of even an address, of even a place name of any kind. The Lord had just asked him to go and follow wherever God was going to lead him. By the time we catch Abraham in this calling, in this test, in this encounter, Abraham is already an old man. Abraham has under his belt a few experiences with God. And Abraham has actually learned to really identify the word of the Lord to the point that whenever the Lord called, the Abraham knew his voice and said, here I am, Lord. He knew God's voice. By the time we catch Abraham in this story, Abraham was no longer the sojourner, was no longer the man lost or following someone in the wilderness. He was, he was one without a GPS. He was no longer the follower without knowledge or experience. He had actually become a worshiper. Let me repeat that. He had actually become a worshiper. His identity was not only of that father of many nations, but he had become a worshiper. Because meaning that no matter what God did in his life, he knew that God had him covered. He knew that God would provide for him. He knew that God will protect him. And he knew that God will preserve him. And in all those three pieces of protection, provision, and perseveration, or preservation, Abraham knew that God had his back. So Abraham knew one thing. He knew that in his life, he was going to always respond to God in loving worship. So Abraham now is a worshiper. You see, it took a while for Abraham to become from a man who was knowing, who didn't know where he was going, to a man who now owned lands. It took him a while from a man with confused beliefs to a man who's now called the father of faiths. It took a while for a man without a blessing to be a man with a blessing and a promise because by now he's got the promise 
fulfilled. His name is Isaac. God took him from a man without an inheritance to the man called father of many nations. But God is now asking him to worship. You see, when the text begins and the Lord says, pick up your child, take him to the mount, and offer him as a burnt offering, that was worship. God was asking Abraham to take his most precious possession for what he had lived for, for what he had walked for, for what he had wandered for, for what he had believed for, and now surrender it as a worship item. Mm. Notice the text says killing him as a sacrifice. Because for Abraham, it was a sacrifice, the kind of worship that God would, God would ask from him. You see, Abraham did not go to a contemporary worship. Abraham did not go to a high, traditional, middle, or low worship. He did not go to a multi-sensory or alternative worship. He did not even care if this music was played or that music or this or that music was even played. He did not even care whether there was guitars, organs, piano, banjos, drums, all kinds of drums, bagpipes, or even synthesizers. He didn't care. God called him to worship, and Abraham went to worship. Abraham went to worship as a worshiper because by this time, his identity had become a worshiper. He knew that his entire life, he knew that everything he did, everything he ate, everything he drank was provided by God. Ask people in the desert when they have a glass of water. If it's not a provision by God. Abraham did not go to worship. He knew what to do. Though it was not his liking, it was not his preference style of worship, it was not designed by him. It was God's worship. It was an oldies. It was a new newbies. But it was God's worship. And he was a worshiper. And he knew what he needed to do. Paul describes it in this manner. And I reminded you from this reading last week. And so dear brothers and sisters. I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because all he has done for you, let them be a holy sacrifice, living holy sacrifice. Because, you see, Abraham had the opportunity of actually slaying that child. But God said, hold it. I have the ram. I have the sheep for the sacrifice. You then become a living sacrifice. You see, because dead sacrifices can do nothing. No. Once that knife has come and the blood has shed, that sacrifice can do nothing. It's dead. This is the contrast that Paul is talking about. To offer our lives as a living sacrifice. Therefore then, our life does not have to do with my job, with what I used to do, with how much money I have, with the three point acre land that I may own, with any of those identity identifiers of today's, but rather our life needs to acquire a meaning of who we are as a response to what God has done in our lives. 
Abraham discovered that the best life he could choose was the life of worship, was a life where he's responding to God for everything, for every breath, for every step, for every morsel, for every bit of swallowing drink. Abraham is responding to God in worship, in thanksgiving. So Abraham chose to have a life of worship. And for Abraham, worship was his life. You see, Moses also discovered that as he wandered in the wilderness with the people of Israel, which were hard as rock, maybe they had something to do with the rock of stone mountain around here. I don't know. But Moses discovered that the life, that the best life that he could have is a life of worship. Because worship was his life. Jesus also knew that the best life that he could have done was a life of worship. Because Jesus' life was all a worship act before our God the Father. As he himself became the lamb of sacrifice. But rose again and became a living act of worship. Our own reform kind of Christianity teaches us that all of our lives should be a life of worship before God. Do we remember this statement? Do I dare to confront you with the following statement if you don't know it? That the first question of the Catechism of Westminster, which I grew up memorizing it, not just the first one, we had all of them, is basically the question saying, what is the main purpose of our life? Huh? Amazing. To glorify God, which is to worship God and enjoy God forever. Can we repeat that? My purpose? I didn't hear you. My purpose is to glorify God and enjoy God forever. That is what we're all about. We are able to worship their believers. We're not constrained to worship in time and space or with matter. Oh, what did I just say? Uh, books of the worship directory. Those are words of the worship directory. But basically, in our God-given grace under Jesus Christ, we're able to worship in all times. We can worship in the morning. We can worship at noon. We can worship in the evening. We can worship when it's dark. We can worship where it's light. We can worship when it's raining. We can worship when it's snowing. Oh, I love to worship by the beach. And by a nice waterfall in northern Georgia. So we're not limited where to worship. We are also in our God-given grace in, in, in our New Testament experience to worship in any space or any place. We can worship in the kitchen. We can worship at the bus stop. We can worship in the OR. Yeah? We can worship in the prep room. We can worship at the office. We can worship as we drive. And maybe if we do that, we have less accidents. We can worship in any place. We're also, as worshipers, we can also worship with anything we have. 
Because God, the God who created space and sanctified time, he also created all material things and called it good. So we can worship with leaves and the seasons as we're reminded of God's faithfulness. We can worship with sand. We can worship with books. We can worship with colors. We can worship with all kinds of music. We can worship with all kinds of created things that God has given us. And those of you who are going to join me in the spiritual walk, we're going to see how we can worship in nature and bring God's presence to us, no matter where we are at. So it doesn't matter the time, the space, or where you got. You can worship God in all times, in all places, with whatever you got. Is that clear? No, it's not clear. So that means that doesn't matter where we're at, we can worship God. Doesn't matter what we have, we can worship God. Doesn't matter what time it is, we can worship God. Because God has called us to be worshipers. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. To glorify God and to enjoy God forever. Our worship here on Sunday morning in a particular time, 11 o'clock, which was the traditional time between the two milkings of the cow. That's why we do it, in case you didn't know that. Our worship here in a building, a particular space, and our worship here with our gifts, toys, and holy tools that God has given us. She could have one purpose should have one purpose, to encourage, to move you, to impassion you, to provide and allow for you to have a life of worship. So my dear sister and my dear brother, whether you eat, whether you worship, whether you sacrifice, whether you do laundry, whether you go to the doctor, to the hospital, to the funeral home, whether you visit your neighbor, whether you have a Coke, coffee, tea, lemonade, whether you attend a meeting like session this afternoon, whether you drive your grandchildren around and they drive you crazy as you do that, whether you put up with him or whether you put up with her or whether you put up with each other as my beloved sisters and brothers, do it all for the glory of God because we have one life to live and that life is a life of worship. Our lives, your life, my life. May Jesus remind us of that reality seven days a week, 365, 24 hours a day, that we are called to be worshipers. Amen and amen. You see, I don't know what what your hang-up is about worship. But I hope in this few minutes I was able to, to, to tear down some limitations and open up the plethora that we have in our reform kind of Christianity. Let us look to the Lord for a prayer, moment of prayer. Dear God, we thank you for the freedom you give us in Christ, for the freedom of doing worship in so many ways, with so many things, in so many places. Thank you for teaching us how your 
patriarchs of old, the fathers of faith, began as a man in the wilderness and became the father of faith and discovered that his best response to the God who protected, who provided, and who preserved is a response of daily and eternal worship. May we give our lives, O God, to you as a living sacrifice, which is basically the true way to worship you. Amen. Amen.